Well, I'm getting ready to blow up the, the order of worship, so you see all the tech, tech people freaking out. It's my fault. <laughs> I just want to take a moment of pastoral privilege, if I can, this morning. How does worship affect you? I wept as we sang, hallelujah, what a savior, hallelujah, what a friend. Does that mean anything to you, church? Amen. I want us to pray this morning for something. Uh, first of all, this is a, a, a difficult and yet fantastic day for me. My mom passed away eight years ago today. I'll never forget that time in the critical care unit up in Farmington. As you know, my dad passed away on August 2nd. Yesterday, a dear friend, partner in ministry for over 30 years, Clark Henderson, the worship pastor at Sandia Baptist here in Albuquerque, suddenly passed away. Clark was here Tuesday, right up there, leading worship at the Baptist Convention in Mexico annual meeting that we hosted. It's the last picture I have of Clark. What a picture, him up there singing and praising. And to know now that he's in eternity, um, I don't know. I don't know everything about heaven. I know I'm going to heaven someday. Amen? Well, I think he might be uh, putting together a little choir or something. I don't know. Or he's looking for a guitar. He's looking for his Taylor guitar. Can't find it. I don't know what's going on. I want us to pray today, though, for his wife, Elaine. I want us, and you may want to jot these names down, church. I want you to be a praying church this week for them. His daughters, Amy, Leah, and Joy, their families. I want us to pray for Sandia Baptist Church, our sister church. I want us to pray for Pastor Ronnie Cooksey. I can't imagine what the worship services are like there today, but pray for Ronnie, the staff, and everyone else. Would you join me in prayer this morning? God, today we don't know what to do except pray. And we are grateful, Jesus, that you conquered death and the grave and sin and Satan and you rose on the third day. And you're seated at the right hand of the Father right now interceding on our behalf. And God, we want to bring this request to you today that we would be faithful to pray for the Henderson family and for Sandia Baptist, God. I pray that people will be saved because of this situation. God, I pray today that lives will come back to you. God, I pray for a church to be strengthened as a lighthouse in this community. So God, we pray knowing that you hear us and that you answer us. So we thank you for this. In the name of Jesus, we pray, amen. Uh, thank you for letting me do that this morning. Now let's get back to the Lord's Supper and the service. Jesus' final words on the cross, we find it in John's Gospel, are simple and yet they're profound. It is finished. You see, today through the Lord's Supper, uh, the Gospel will be proclaimed. Think about it for a minute. We're going to see it. We're going to touch it. We're going to taste it. 
And here's the picture I want you to get today. If you get anything today, here's the big idea. It's this, the totality of God's forgiveness for you and for me. And the fact that no matter what has been done in life, no matter what path has been taken, God is there. Jesus is able to forgive. Do you believe Jesus is able to forgive anyone today? I believe that. I mean, he forgave me. Hello. And so I want you to really think about that. The fact that God's forgiveness really is absolute. It really is complete. You see, if you have confessed your sins, if you have forsaken your sins, they are removed, buried, and forgotten. That's good news in my book. I don't know about you. You see, those uh, who trust in Christ, those in Christ, they're, uh, they're accepted. We are accepted, we are forgiven, we are justified, and we are counted righteous. Listen to a few verses from God's Word. Romans 5.1 says this, Therefore, since we have been de- declared righteous by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And just a couple verses later, later in 1 John 2, verse 1, the Bible says this, My little children, I am writing you these things so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, anybody in here sin? How about this week? I did. I don't know about you. Okay, But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. Verse 2, he himself is the propitiation. That means he becomes our substitute. That means he covers our guilt, our sin guilt. Okay, He himself is the propitiation for our sins. And not only for ours, but also for those of the whole world. And today we're going to look at three particular words. And I want us to be reminded about the extraordinary meaning of God's precise wording. I don't know about you, but I have a high view of Scripture. Do you? And some people debate it way too much. Here's what I want to say about that. I have a belief in Creator God that He is capable to give me a Bible in my language to reveal Himself to me and to speak to me. And so that's what we're going to look at today. And there's three particular words that I want us to look at today as we think about the totality of God's forgiveness. And the first word is removed. Sins are removed. I'm in Psalm 103, mainly verses 11 and 12. And I want to read those, and I want you to think about these words as a, just for a moment. Psalm 103, 11 and 12. For as high... As the heavens are above the earth, so great is his faithful love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he, God, removed our transgressions from us. Isn't that interesting? Commentator John Phillips says verse 11 gives us a vertical picture. Do you see it? How how high are the heavens? That's how great is love. And then he gives us in verse 12 the horizontal look. East to west. Forgiveness. Now, we know that God forgives all of our sins. If we go back to verse 3, the first part of it, it says, He forgives all your sin. 
How clear is that, church? So God forgives all of our sin. That's the number of sins that are forgiven. But verse 12 gives us the scope and the extent of this forgiveness. It's an interesting and peculiar phrase. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Now, I want you to try to do east and west at the same time. Are you ready? I want you to... Let, can I have a few people just stand up real quick? Nobody? It's, it's a trick question. Ready? I want you to go east and west at the same time. Go. They all failed. Be seated. Thank you for doing that. All right. Next time I ask for a uh, volunteer, you guys that were sitting, you got to stand up. All right. Yes. You can't do east and west at the same time. It can't be done. To do one, think about it. You must turn your back on the other. Are you getting that? Do you see the picture? How important that is as we think about forgiveness of sin? You turn your back on the other. And this is the promise that we have in God that sins, what he does with the sins. East-West will always be opposite, separate. And so it is with us and our forgiven sin. What a picture today in the Lord's Supper as we think about that. I'm reminded of the Casting Crown song. Do you know that one? How far? I'm not going to sing it. <laughs> the East is from the West. And I love his poetic take on it. He said, one scarred hand from the other. Picture Christ on the cross. And God promises us as far as the East is from the West, so far he has removed our transgressions from us. So sins are removed. Now, I want you to remember something, though. It's not what we have done. It's what he has done. Isaiah 53, 6 states this. It talks about the removal of sin and how the removal of sin takes place in the cross. All we like sheep have gone astray. You remember it? We have turned, every one of us, to his own way. Well, let's move on. Number two, here's the second word I want you to get, the word buried. Sins are buried. Sins are buried. We're going to go to uh, Micah, still in the Old Testament. Micah chapter 7, verse 19. Let's take a look at this as we think about the totality of God's forgiveness as we think about sins being buried. Verse 19. He, talking about God again, he will again have compassion on us. He will vanquish our iniquities. You will cast all our sin, all our sins, into the depths of the sea. The first part of verse 19 that we just read has a peculiar phrase in my translation, vanquish our iniquity. You may have a different word there talking about our sin. What, what the biblical word there is, the idea we get is to tread underfoot. Have you ever killed a centipede? Anybody? Am I the only centipede killer in here? Tre think of tread underfoot because if you've killed a big centipede, you know, that's not enough. You've got to tread it under your foot. Get the picture of what's going on, how God is vanquishing our sin, treading it underfoot. It shows God's power and God's ability to take 
away the power of sin. And let us remember today that it is only God, through what Christ has done on the cross, who can take away the power of sin. You cannot take away the power of sin. I cannot take away the power of sin. A certain book cannot take away the power of sin. A a certain prayer cannot do that. Uh, No matter what we try, it is only God who can take away the power of sin. Look at the second part of the verse. You will cast all our sins, there's the word all again, into the depths of the sea. God has not just buried some of our sins into the depths of sea. Aren't you, glad, aren't you grateful? Church, whatever that sin is in your life or in your past that's holding you down, let it go. Release it to Jesus Christ who has the power to forgive it. Don't go another day or another week being in bondage because of that sin because we know that it is buried And the scripture says that God, he's not just buried some of our sins in the sea, he's buried all of them and to the very deepest part of the ocean. I love the word depths there, into the depths of the sea. The Hebrew word is metzalah. What does it mean? It means the bottom or even more graphically, it means the abyss. Think about that. I'm visual and I just can picture this happening and and what it means to me. Now, when Micah was written, I'm pretty sure they had not mapped the ocean floor of the Pacific. What do you think? (laughs) But we now know, we have no excuse not to have strong faith and trust in Jesus, do we? We have so much uh, things of science, of history. We know the end of the story. We know the story about Jesus. We're not back in those days. And he did not know about the Mariana Trench, did he? But you do, right? Well, unless you slept through that part of school. But I didn't because I was intrigued. The deepest part of the sea is nearly seven miles deep. 36,201 miles for those of you that are fact checkers on sermons, all right? And so picture this. As this is written, the depths of the sea, picture and imagine that. That all of our sin goes there. The full and eternal pardon of sin. It's total and it's permanent removal of guilt. And when I think of that word and I think of the bottom, I think of the Red Sea crossing. Do you remember Exodus 15? Do you remember the story how God is taking his children out of slavery and he is redeeming them and there they go. And you remember how the Red Sea is parted? Come on, you've seen Charlton Heston in the movie, haven't you? (laughs) and the water stands up and there they go did they walk on the crest of the wave the children of Israel perhaps a couple million of them no what did they do they walked on the bottom and it was dried up where they could do that and then we know the miracle of course picture that Pharaoh's army the chariots all the soldiers They didn't bring their surfboards and try to ride across the top of it. They went right down to the bottom and God does the miracle and the sea comes back on top of them and they are on the bottom. They are not just drowning on the surface. They are on the floor covered by the sea. Are you getting the picture yet? 
You see, this is not some flotsam or jetsam that rises to the surface and eventually gets to shore. You've seen that if you've been at a lake or the ocean or a sea, okay? It's not that. It's to be buried, never to rise again. Sins are buried. I, I remember when the boys were younger. Man, I miss those days, anybody? And, and we would go to a river or a lake, uh, not so much the ocean, but for sure a lake, and we would pick up, we would skip rocks. Anybody ever skipped rocks? But then we would get big rocks, and we would throw them into the lake. You ever done that before? Okay, you take the little rock, and it skips, and then it kind of goes, but when we would throw the big rock, it would go kerplunk, and then, of course, there would be a contest, and Dad, they called me Dad Man, Dad Man would get the biggest rock. I would not do this today, by the way, as a grandpa, okay? The biggest rock I could and try to do the best discus move and launch that dude as far as I can out there. And guess what? That rock went in and it was gone to the bottom. It was not coming back up. It was not going to rise up again. Get the picture, if you would, that sins are not just removed, but sins are buried. Third word, you ready? Forgotten. Sins are forgotten. We're going to go to Hebrews chapter 8, verse 12. I love when the New Testament quotes the Old Testament. And here, if we read 8 through 12, we'd see this is a quotation of Jeremiah 31. I just love how Scripture goes together. We interpret Scripture with Scripture. And here is a New Testament restating of an Old Testament passage as we think about sins are forgotten. Let's look at verse 12. The Lord speaking says this, For I will be merciful to their wrongdoing. That's just another one of those words like iniquities or whatever. We're talking about sin, okay? I will be merciful to their wrongdoing, and I will never again remember their, what's the word there? Sins. Sins are forgotten. Now, we know about the old, uh, the old covenant. We know about the Old Testament. We, we know that in the Old Covenant, there was an annual reminder of sins, the Day of Atonement. But today, where we are in the New Covenant, what's the New Covenant? It's via the work of Jesus on the cross. God no longer, we don't have that annual reminder that we have to go to the temple for. We don't have that Day of Atonement. We don't have to worry about that because God no longer remembers the sins of his people. Do you see the contrast? And, and here in verse 12 of Hebrews 8, we find another definitive statement of the forgiveness of God. Now, the biblical language is interesting here. It uses a double negative. Any English teachers in here? Sorry. I ain't never done did, right? Okay, yeah, double negative. You guys know what that is? We have a double, double negative here, and not just a double negative, but an emphatic. In other words, a strong wording. And, and in English, the best we could say would be like, not at all, never again. It just doesn't hardly make sense in the biblical language if we put it into English, but it's strong, and it means not at all, never again. You fill in the blank with another, another negative, but that's the picture we get here. I will never again remember their sins. Are you tracking with me? Are you seeing the totality 
of God's forgiveness to those who believe in Him, to those who are called to follow Him, to those He saves, to those of us that have that personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Wow, sins are forgotten. God has chosen to forgive our sins and place us in Jesus' perfect righteousness. Isaiah 1.18. Isaiah 1.18. Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. You know it. You've heard it. You've sung the song. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they shall become like wool. Isaiah 43, verse 25. It is I who sweep away your transgressions for my own sake and remember your sins no more. We could go on and on, but we'll stop there. Simply this, remember, it is God who forgives. And when he forgives, the sin is forgotten. Now, the first part of that verse 12 said, I will be merciful to their wrongdoing, to their sin. And I want us to remember something. Lots of times we put mercy in a box. Have you ever put mercy in a box? We think of mercy as just a thing. Is mercy a thing? Yes, but it's so much more than that. In the biblical sense, when we think of God's mercy, let's not just think of a thing, but let's remember mercy is a he. And the picture is Jesus on the cross saying, it is finished. The mission to bring about the totality of God's forgiveness was completed. Wow. Titus 3, 5. Titus 3, 5. He saved us. Not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness, but according to His mercy. Now think about that as more than just a thing, but a He. But according to His mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit. Think about that for a minute. Sins are forgotten. Sins are buried. Sins are removed. God is in the business of forgiving. Take a look at the video screen for a picture of the forgiveness of God. On October 2nd of 2019, um, I was arrested again, um, probably seven or eight times being arrested in my life and I was only 21 at the time. I had several different felonies on my cases. Um, each of them adding up to a, a one and a half years each. Um, so I was looking from anywhere to five to 10 years in prison. So October 6th, I went to a Bible study in jail. And honestly, I just went to kind of do something to pass the time. Um, little did I know that that was the night that I was gonna give my life to Jesus. From then on, it was kind of uplifting. Uh, yeah, I was in jail, but I had a more positive attitude. Almost a month later, October 25th, um, they called my name to go to court. So I went before a judge who was uh, notorious for being very by the book, <laughs> but God. For some reason, when I went up to uh, the podium and it was my turn to see the judge, um, the DA had come up with another plea bargain for me. You know, I had already violated my last plea 
um, several times. I had proven to be a, a, a runaway risk. They offered me a plea and obviously I took it. So that very night I was released. Uh, I took the, the bus, took me downtown. Um, I got out of the, the prison bus and, and not really knowing if I had anywhere to actually go. And up rolled a van, um, a van that said under his construction on the side of it. Um, and I knew that that was the, the start of a new life for me. And from then on, it's been two years. A, a two years that God has completely, completely and wholly changed me. Uh, changed the way I think, the way I talk, the way I act. And I know that he's gonna continue to change me and continue to mold me and shape me until the day that there is no more molding and shaping to be done. The totality of God's forgiveness. I wanna thank Alec for uh, sharing his story with us. And uh, it's just a great picture of what God has done in our life. Now, just remember this. Whatever your testimony is, it's your testimony. It may be miraculous like that was. It may be more of a progression and, and, and what has happened in your life. Here's the miracle of all miracles. God saved me. God saved you. Whether you were a young child, a senior adult, whether you were a New York City a gang leader, or you were just a nice kid trying to learn the three R's in school. Whatever it is, it's a miracle. God saved us. And so we want to pray about that today. We're going to have a song playing in just a minute. Music's going to be starting. And uh, I want to direct you in what I would like for you to pray about. We're going to spend a couple minutes in prayer this morning. And I would, first of all, in just a moment, like for you to acknowledge any sin that might be in your life. The Bible says to examine our lives before we partake. Would you just check your life, do an inventory, ask God to reveal anything to you in your life that you should confess to Him. Remember, He's faithful and just to forgive and cleanse. So we want to do that. And then I'd ask for you to pray for the person that's to your left, the person that's to your right, and pray God's blessing over them and that they would understand what the forgiveness, the totality of God's forgiveness is. And then I want us to spend a moment, just, just us alone, you get comfortable, get quiet, however you want to do that, and thank God, meditate on, ponder His forgiveness in your life. So let's do that together. Would you join in prayer as we consider what God has done for us?
remain seated in an act of prayer. Would you join in and sing this next verse? And let's sing together the end of this song. Church, do you believe it? Amen. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. There is no forgiveness of sin. So now we enter into the time of remembrance of elements that we will be partaking of for the Lord's Supper. I'm going to ask that the lights would come up in the house because I, I want to be able to see you and you see me. Thank you for that. And uh, what we have here is a nice, safe bread and juice. Did everyone get one of these? If anyone needs one of these, would you lift your hand up? We've got some guys ready to hand it out. We want to make sure if you are a believer, if you're a born-again Christian, we want you to have this. It's the Lord's Supper, and we want you to participate. There's some over here that need that. So thank you guys all the way over to my left and your right. Keep that hand up and we'll get that to you. All the way, here we go. Great, thank you for that. Amen. As Jesus modeled this for us, he said, do this in remembrance of me. And so as we partake any time and every time that we partake in our Lord's Supper, we're remembering the cross. Jesus is payment for our sin. And so I want you to think about, uh, in fact, if you be careful here, you open up the top part of your element, you should have a piece of bread. So guess what? I have a defective one. <laughs> Someone ate my bread. Wow. You see how the Lord keeps me humble? I'm just like you. I'm just trying to get through life here. Let's try that again. You were all successful, weren't you? If we take off just that top portion, 
We have what symbolizes, don't take it yet, what symbolizes the bread. Let me read to you from Mark, the Gospel of Mark, chapter 14, verse 22. As they were eating, he took bled, bread, blessed and broke it, gave it to them and said, take it, this is my body. And I want you to think for a minute, if you would, about Christ's body on the cross, about the spikes pierced here and here in his feet. Picture that. Picture his back and just before the cross being whipped by a cat of nine tails to the point of one more, you'd be considered dead. Christ endured that for us. Picture his body and the crown of thorns being placed upon his head and piercing his brow and his head all the way around. Picture all these things. Picture his side being pierced with the spear. Picture all of this and realize that he gave his body. And so he symbolized that by taking bread breaking it and saying take it this is my body let's pray and then we will partake God we thank you that you sent your one and only son Jesus to die on the cross for our sin we thank you for the totality of your forgiveness that comes with that and we remember today in the name of Jesus we pray amen take and eat remember today the second element is juice which represents his blood I'm not going to open it yet you might not want either unless you have a very steady hand but in a moment we're going to open and partake and I want you to think about what this symbolizes and remember today again in Mark chapter 14 verses 23 and 24 let's read then Jesus took a cup and after giving thanks, he gave it to them, and so they all drank from it. He said to them, this is my blood that establishes the covenant. It is shed for many. And again, I want you to picture Jesus leading up to the cross and being on the cross. I believe hardly even recognizable as a human being probably by the, at the point of death when he said, it is finished, when the totality of God's forgiveness truly came. Blood on the backside, on the side, on the hands, the wrists, the feet, coming down, matted hair on his face and behind him. Picture the blood that was shed for our sin, the blood that establishes the covenant, the blood shed for many. That's you. And that's me. And today we want to remember. So let's pray and give thanks and then partake. God, we thank you again for Jesus. God, we thank you for your rescue plan. We thank you for the fact that you love us so much you sent Jesus. And Jesus, we thank you for saying not my will, but God, your will be done and dying on the cross on our behalf for our sin and we remember today and we thank you 
that forgiveness of sin comes from the shedding of your blood, and we're so grateful. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. I'd like to close the service in this way today. We're not done. Our whole service has been built around the Lord's Supper, and it's not over yet. Stay with me just for a few more moments as you continue to ponder the totality of God's forgiveness, the fact that it is finished. I would be a failure as a preacher if I didn't ask you guys today, if I didn't ask those of you that are watching online Is Jesus the Lord of your life? You can't do the Lord's Supper without Jesus. You can't remember unless there's been a time where you repented of your sin. You remember that east and west? When you turned from that and ran this way to Jesus and asked him to save you, to to forgive you of your sin. Have you done that today? I'm not talking about a church. I'm not talking about church membership. I'm not talking about baptism. I'm not talking about what family you grew up in, the color of your hair, how tall or short you are. None of that. What we're talking about is you, a creation of God. Do you have that relationship with Him? You can only have it by asking for forgiveness. God will give you the faith to do that, to take that faith he's given you, it's not an accident, and placing it with him. For by grace are you saved through faith. God's the one who gives it. It's not of works. It's not of any plan that we have. It's not of any system. Not of works. It's a gift from God so that no one could boast. No one could take credit for it. It's all God. I want to ask, has that happened to you today? Is Jesus your Savior and Lord? If not, why not today? I'm going to be right down front here after the service. And if you have a question about that, I would love to talk with you about that today. Those of you online today, There's a chat going on, a discussion. Simply say, I want that. And someone will respond to you quickly. We will get with you and help you to understand what that means. So the question is, is Jesus the Lord of your life? And then secondly, I want you to think about this. As you ponder, as we ponder the totality of God's forgiveness, what about you and forgiveness? Now, here's one you weren't counting on today. Christian, are you ready? I want to give you a challenge to think about. I'm going to go to Matthew chapter 6 real quick. I'm going to go to verse 12. Well, I'll just start in on the model prayer, the Lord's Prayer, Matthew 6. It says this, you should pray like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth that is in heaven. And give us today our daily bread. And here it comes, verse 12. Are you ready? And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And and bring us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. 
For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Did you catch the forgiveness there? But puffed up Christians forget there are verses that follow the Lord's Prayer. And I want to read 14 and 15. And let's continue to examine our life. Verse 14 says this. For if you forgive people their wrongdoing, your heavenly Father will forgive you as well. But if you don't forgive people, your Father will not forgive your wrongdoing. Let me put it this way. Don't ask God to do something for you and me that we're not willing to do ourselves. I'm going to ask you a question this morning. I want you to think about this. Christian, is there a grudge that you're, withhold, that, that you're holding on to today? Has there been some gossip that you have participated in recently? Do you want revenge for something that happened this past week or earlier in your life, whatever it might be? We must give that to the Lord. We must be willing to forgive. That doesn't mean that something didn't happen. It doesn't mean that a bad thing that happened. It, It doesn't even mean that we're wrong. We could have been the right. But we are church to forgive. How can we expect God to forgive us according to Scripture if we're not willing to forgive? One of my prayers this week has been this, that some folks right here in our church would reconcile, would restore, would have restoration with someone. Whatever that grudge is, whatever that gossip is, whatever is going on, that we, that, that we would be serious about forgiveness and let God unleash a freedom in us that we have not experienced. Church, would you be willing to pray about that? I know how God works. He's already dropped that into some labs here. You already know. You have a picture of the person or the situation or the thought or the attitude. Would you just give it to God? We're going to pray before we uh, kick it to Drew for uh, some important announcements. And as we pray, let's thank God for his forgiveness. Let's thank God that we can remember that. And let's ask him to remind us if we have any areas of unforgiveness in our life. And also to remind us to pray for those who are not yet followers of Christ, that today could be the day of salvation for them. Would you join me one more time in prayer this morning, church, and those of you online, would you pray with us as well this morning? God, we remember today and we thank you. Jesus, we thank you for completing the mission. God, we thank you for the totality of your forgiveness. And I want to pray today for those who are pondering right now. You are speaking to them right now in their heart. Inside of them, you are, you are saying, trust me, follow me. God, I pray today that that would happen here in this room, that that would happen all across the airways. God, please save people today. God, help us to pray for those we know who are lost and just trying to go through life without a godly purpose that we could impact them. And God, today, I I thank you and, and help us to remember 
your forgiveness. Please, God. And God, a very personal prayer this morning is that you would reveal in us any grudge or gossip or revenge, whatever issue that might be in our life. It could be a thought, an attitude, a prejudice that God you would remove it, that forgiveness would be a hallmark of our life, that as we have been forgiven, we also forgive. God, I realize that that might not be an instantaneous, spontaneous thing, that it might take some work. And God, I pray you'd give us endurance and wisdom to follow through with restoration, with reconciliation. And so God, today, we remember and we're grateful and we're thankful. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.